0: And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we go any further. Father, we come to You this morning, Lord. And God, we just give You thanks and honor and glory for Your Word that You've given us today. We thank You, God, that we have a mighty King. We thank You, Lord, that we know we're in the middle of warfare, but God, we know we have a victorious King that is ruling us. Lord, we thank You that You have already given us the victory, even though we're still in the midst of the battle. God, we thank You that we have we have been made overcomers. We have been made more than a conqueror through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask that You be with us right now in this service. I ask that You send the Holy Spirit right now that that my words will be tempered by the fire that is Him. Lord, I ask that You give me words to say. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. As we look at this Word this morning... You know, the first thing that comes to your mind is a picture of a soldier. You begin to think about a battle. You begin to think about what he is equipped with as it goes through that list of things that are included in the armor of God. But y'all, I want you to focus at a Scripture that's right at the beginning of that. It says that you should put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may stand against all the wiles of the devil. Y'all, I want you to understand that your enemy is, is not a passive enemy. He's not someone that's just going to wait on you to show up so that He can begin His battle. I want you to understand that He's crafty, He's cunning, and He goes about this world seeking who He may devour, just like a roaring lion. I want you to understand something about your enemy this morning. I want you to know that He is always on the lookout for some way He can trip you up. Always. Always. But you then turn and go down a couple more verses, and what you see is a description of what is necessary to defeat his his tricks. Let's look at those real quick. He says there in uh, verse 14, he says, Have your loins girt about with truth. Y'all, there is nothing that is more devastating other than the Word of God to the enemy than truth. You begin to bring truth into your life. And y'all, I'm telling you this today to a a building full of church goers. But I want you to know that there is lies and deception in each and every household today. Y'all, you may say, well, no, that don't exist in my house. You're lying to yourself right there. If you begin to think that there is not one moment that doesn't pass by, that there isn't a little lie that comes in every now and then, you're fooling yourself. I want you to know that truth is the one thing other than the Word of God. And let's face it, the Word of God is truth. Truth is the one thing that will bring light into darkness. Darkness in your life is is nothing but another trap the devil has brought in to ensnare you. You think to yourself, I'll keep this in the dark. Nobody will see it. Lie you bring it out into the light, what are do you doing? you are exposing that sin, that hidden thing, whatever it is, to truth. Truth destroys it. Y'all, that is so important. That is so important in a family. it's so important in a church. You say, well our church don't have a problem like that, y'all. <laughs> you don't know. See, I have a feeling that a lot of you just go to church and you miss what's going on. But y'all, I'm telling you this today for a very good reason. Because the church of God cannot stand when there's lies and deception going on. When there's gossip and when there's bigotry, when there's all of those works of the flesh in action in a church, how can you expect fruits of the Spirit? You can't. Truth has to be has to come in. Let's look at the next one. Says your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How is that not critical to a church's existence? If the word ain't being taught, you ain't got to understand though. You gotta be prepared in the word. Okay, Now that's not just my responsibility and the Sunday school teacher's responsibility. It's your responsibility. Guess what? I can't prepare you unless you're being prepared yourself. Unless you take the action that is necessary to be prepared. It takes action on both sides. Someone has to instruct, but guess what? There has to be a student. What does a good student do? A good student listens to instruction and learns how to apply it in his life. Not one of you have ever been through school and you hear that teacher talk and you didn't apply it in your life and got a passing grade. You have to understand how that taught, that the thing that's being taught, the instruction that's given to you, you have to understand how it works in order for it to be beneficial to you. If you don't, what happens when you test it? you fail. Y'all, there is no difference today in this church if the instruction is being given, and I fully believe it is. If the instruction is being given and you're not being a faithful student to receive it and learn how to apply it in your life, you fail. The church fails. Instruction in the Word of God, preparation in the Gospel of Peace is a requirement If you want a successful church, it's a requirement. Y'all, this whole whole armor of God we're talking about here is not just fancy words that sound cool, even though it does. I can't help but be inspired when I read this, man. It fires me up, y'all. But it's not just that. There is a whole lot of principles in this Word that if Christians would take this and apply it in their life on a daily basis, you'd begin to see a change happen. You can't help it. It's going to change. Look at the next one, verse 16. Above all, meaning this is important. (laughs) Listen, okay? Above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You say, well, Kevin, how does that work? I'm going to explain it to you real simple today. Your faith is in who? God. Your faith is in what? Jesus Christ. Your faith is in when? All the time. Okay, so that faith in the in the true Word of God, the faith in the true God of all creation, is the thing that can quench those fiery darts that the enemy throws at you. You say, Kevin, what are those fiery darts? Those fiery darts are lies and deception. As he comes at you with false teaching, false doctrine, false whatever, he throws them at you, and if you don't have that shield of faith to protect yourself some sort of basis of knowledge in your spirit to stand on and rely upon, guess what? You get struck. You begin to doubt. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope. You don't have hope, there ain't no point in having faith. What do you hope for? We discussed this a week or two ago. My hope is in eternal life. Jesus is the one that provided that. My faith rests in Him. He can destroy that doubt when I have been prepared in the Gospel of peace. When I bring life, uh, uh, the Word of truth, into my life. That destroys the fiery darts of the wicked. Y'all are going to hear it in a minute. Take the helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation. Y'all, you think it's necessary that you be saved? Why does it cover your head? It's where you think. That's the center of what is you, right? See, I can lose my arm. That ain't me. I can lose my leg. That ain't me. If it were possible for me to stay alive without all this other stuff in my chest here, that ain't me. Right? This is just stuff that keeps this going. This is where I am. So I cover myself with the helmet of salvation. The shed blood of Jesus Christ wash over me. Right? That's that's what that's about. Y'all, it's necessary that my head be protected by salvation. Necessary. What's the next one? Sword of the Spirit. We know we've talked about this whole armor of God many times. You've probably heard it hundreds of times throughout your life. This is your only weapon. We all know that, right? This is the only thing I can fight against the enemy with. Y'all, that is never more true, but I want you to, I want you to understand that the sword of the Spirit is not the first thing mentioned. Okay? The sword, you can't, you can't even begin to consider going into battle if you're not armed. If you don't have that armor on, there ain't no point going out there waving a sword around. You hear what I said? A lot of us want to just go wave our sword around. Show what we know. One Scripture after another. But we hadn't prepared ourselves in the gospel of peace. Do you notice there's a difference in the gospel of peace and the sword of the Spirit? Even though both of them are the Word of God? There's a difference there. See, that gospel of peace is something you go and give to someone. You don't go give someone in love the sword of the Spirit. That's for battle. Battle is is fought with a sword. You don't go to someone in love shaking a sword at them. Right? If you do, what do they do? They run the other way. So there is a difference. Even though they're the same physical thing, there's a difference in the way they're delivered. You don't need to go into battle unless you've already been prepared in the gospel, unless you've already put on that helmet of salvation. Why would you even be carrying your sword if you weren't saved? People do it all the time. In the name of God, in the name of Christianity, they go out and proclaim something out of that word, and all it does is damage and destroy. Do you know a Christian can do that? Oh, got quiet in here, didn't it? Y'all listen to what I'm saying now. You see, I don't, I can be a Christian, quote unquote, and not have put on my helmet of salvation. See, that helmet of salvation is a reminder of who I was and who I am now. It, it tells you something about your place in this world. It tells you about something about who your master is, who you are to him in submission to him. But if you don't prepare yourself in the gospel, if you don't put on that helmet of salvation and gird yourself with truth, what good does it do you get out there and start shaking your sword? You see, you have to be prepared in these things, people. I want you to hear this today because this is, this is where we stand today as a church. Unprepared. Unprepared. How often do you need to put on this whole armor of God? Continuously. I ain't even going to say once a day. Continuously. I need to remind myself, do I have it on? Am I equipped the way I'm supposed to be? Have I prepared my heart to do the thing I need to do today? The last one there, verse 18, says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying always. Praying. Always. Don't you just love it when preachers do that? They just keep saying the same thing over and over. It's because I want you to wake up for a second, and and sometimes it takes me a few times to get to that point where you hear what I'm trying to drive into your heart this morning, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Every piece of that is important. Prayer is your lifeline back to the Father. It is your only form of communication with the Father. It is the only way you can come boldly before that throne of grace. It can't be a physical act. It can't be some material thing. It can't be some material sacrifice. It is only through prayer and supplication that you get to Him. Do you think it's important to hear from your commanding officer when you go into battle? There's a whole lot of people that thought it wasn't. And they have failed miserably. Whether you're talking about on the battlefield or in a spiritual war. Y'all can think of time after time in my own life that I tried to do some t- some sort of warfare on my own. And I come up short. I think about a an army out on the battlefield and they say we see what's happening. Let's go fight now. Meanwhile, back in the rear, the commanding officer has gotten information about what's really happening. And he begins to pass that along so that his troops out there about to go into battle are aware of this information. Whatever it is, is, don't even we don't have to know that. But this information changes the way you attack. Changes when you attack. It changes why you're attacking. And that army that's on the front lines doesn't get that information because they cut the radios off. And they go into battle anyway, and they're miserably defeated because they lacked that communication. you know, I want you to understand that that prayer and supplication in the Spirit is just as important as any other piece of this armor. It, it is your lifeline to the Father. That is the only way you can talk to Him. That's the only way you get word back to Him and Him to you. You want guidance and direction in your life? Guess what you need to do? You need to pray. You're about to face something that even if you think you have it under control, guess what you ought to do? Pray. He knows better than you. But we're talking about warfare today. Preparation for war. How many of us go into war unprepared? Too many. Y'all, there's, I ain't, I ain't going to stand up here and say I'm on some kind of pedestal and, and this doesn't apply to me. Oh, it does. I go unprepared and I say, you know what? I can handle it. How long have I been a Christian? Yeah, I know what the word says. Let's go. Shaking my sword. But what I needed then was not a sword. I needed that gospel of peace. I needed some truth. Y'all, you can't stand without that preparation. You can't stand without these pieces of the armor. And what I see today in our church is I see divisiveness. I see the wiles of the devil. Okay? In my own life, I see it. This isn't anything I'm trying to pick on you about. But he will use any little trick he can. And he's not even that that good at it. But we still fall for him. The Word tells us that we should lay aside those sins that so easily beset us. Right? What does that mean? It means I shouldn't entertain them. It means I shouldn't bring them in. I should put them away. I should lay aside those things so that I don't get entangled in them again. So I don't find myself right back in that same trap. Because he's not that crafty. He's not that cunning. Y'all, after you've been around for a little bit, you know his tricks, but you still fall for them anyway. Don't you? Why is that? Because we enjoy that stuff too much. Am I telling you the truth? Yeah. We enjoy that stuff way too much. And he says, well, here it is. And we say, okay. Okay. Just jump right off in it, man. He tries to be sneaky. Tries to trick us. The terrible thing is, he doesn't have to be sneaky, he doesn't have to be that tricky. Let's look at Galatians 5 and 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now y'all, as I read these, look at yourself. Look at those you know. Look at those, I ain't saying actually turn around and look. but <laughs> Look at those in the church. Just think to yourself, when have you seen this? How recent have any of these things appeared? Okay? Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past. That they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What is that they they say? Once you're saved, you're you're good, right? Y'all, I don't want to toy with that. Okay, now listen. I believe in my assured salvation. Okay, I don't believe there's anybody that can take that away from me. But y'all, I ain't gonna play around with this stuff. Because that's a a promise there at the end of that verse. You will not have your part in His kingdom. You will not. How many of those have you seen in Christians' lives? Time after time after time. How many of them have been in your life? Time after time after time. And God's forgiven you and you do it again. And He's forgiven you and you did it again. How many times? Think about that now. These are works of the flesh. Thank God. I have a Savior that has forgiven me and that offers that continual purging of my sins. He He continually cleanses me of those things. But y'all, listen. When the works of the flesh are at work in your life, you cannot be victorious. You cannot be an overcomer. You cannot do anything but be in subjection to the bondage of that sin. That's all you can do. I've had it in my life. I know what I'm talking about from experience. And I guarantee you, most of you sitting here today know exactly what I'm talking about. That sin comes in and you entertain it for a little while. And what happens? It becomes detrimental to your way of life as a Christian. It destroys every piece of God in you. It may not happen in one day, but it happens over a period of time. Y'all, there's stuff in there, I know some of them words you don't understand, but I guarantee you, if you spend a little bit of time looking them up, you'll say, oh, I do know about that one. Now let's look on down a little further. Verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit... Notice he said, but... (laughs) You see? These ain't nothing alike. This is something totally separate. Something's totally on the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay? Okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We will not restrict you in any of these things. You can have as much as you want. How many times do you hear that in the world today? (laughs) Can't eat this, can't eat that. Can't have this, too much of that's too bad for you. You can't do that over there, blah, 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 blah. But look at this. The only thing in here that's good, you can have all you want. See, that's how God operates, y'all. Things of the world, man, they seem good. Come so easy. But you can't have too much of it. You say with drugs, man, I, oh, drugs are good, right? Make you feel great. But what happens when you get too much of them? You die. <laughs> it's pretty simple. You say, well, man, I love to drink. What happens when you drink too much? You have, if, you, if it doesn't kill you, it puts you in a place you almost wish you was dead. Right? And it brings all sorts of trouble into your life. And you may say, well, Kevin, I don't think there's nothing wrong with drinking. Well, you got problems then. I'm telling you right now, because one of the works of the flesh was drunkenness. Okay? You bring that into your life if you want to, but you will pay a price. What about sexual sin? It's fun for a season, right? What's it going to do? It's going to destroy your life. Guaranteed. How do I know that? The Bible says so. I don't have to go any further. I don't have to tell you about anything I've involved myself in. I can just tell you the Bible said so. It's enjoyable for a season. But the end of it is what? It's death. I don't feel sorry for somebody that's got AIDS. Y'all, because there ain't no holy way you can contract it. You ever heard of anybody that accidentally contracted AIDS? Because they walk too close to somebody or, or breathe the same air? No. It's because of a, a dirty needle or some sexual sin or something like that. I guarantee you if they were living a holy life, you ain't got to worry about it. They say, well, You say, well, they can survive AIDS today. Magic Johnson's lived 20 years since he announced to the world he had AIDS. It's going to get him, y'all. <laughs> it's going to bring death. What's his quality of life been like since he had it? Is that anywhere near love, joy, peace... Guarantee you it's not. Y'all, those works of the flesh will do nothing but destroy you. I know you know these things. I'm not telling you anything new, but I see a whole lot of you that don't care. Hmm? I see the looks on your face. I see the inattentiveness. I see that you're not hearing the words I'm saying, or maybe you are hearing them, but you're putting them away because of conviction. I don't know. I'm not here to judge you this morning, I'm here to tell you. That's all I can do is deliver the Word. Okay, what I'm telling you today is that if we will put away the works of the flesh, put on the whole armor of God, we will begin to see fruits of the Spirit in action in our life. It's a very simple concept. It doesn't require a degree to understand it. You don't have to spend much time. All you got to do is read them few verses right there. It's laid out very clear and plain for you today. We wonder why our church is inactive. We wonder why there ain't more ministries going on. It's because the works of the flesh are in place. It's because we're not righteous. It's because we're not godly. It's because we don't have the armor of God on. You want to see things change? Guess what has to happen? You got to change. You can't do the same thing over and over and expect something different to happen. Y'all, I ain't telling you this stuff today because I enjoy hollering and screaming. I ain't doing it today for some kind of show because there ain't nobody else watching but you. I ain't got a video camera one going in here. These things apply to me just like they apply to anybody else. If I'm not careful, one of them little works of the flesh will sneak in and begin to wreak havoc in my life. I'm pausing because I'm measuring my words. We have to be very careful. You know, they tell little kids all the time, don't play with fire. Don't play with that. Don't do this. Why are you telling them that? Because you know it will hurt them. Because they can't see the impending danger. They can't even really see the consequences for their action. They just they want to reach up and grab that. No, don't. Because you're going to pull that pan of hot grease off on your head. You know, they don't know what's up there. They just want to, they want to be with you and do what you're doing. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm telling you this stuff today. The Word of the Lord is telling you this Today. Because He's talking to you like little children. Now, listen, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not that great of a thing either because you ought to know better by now. But He's talking to you like a child because He loves you and cares about you and He doesn't want you harmed. Y'all, I'm not telling you these things today because I just like to get up here and scream and yell at you and get some sort of rise out of you. I'm telling you these things today because God has impressed it upon me that it's the utmost importance in our church today. I have seen time after time in various people's lives the effect sin has. And I guarantee you you have too. But y'all, when we have the problems here amongst ourselves, we can't expect it to have any impact on anybody else. We can't expect God to be able to use us in any way. We can't expect it. Because what's required for Him to use us? First of all, willingness. Second of all, obedience. Thirdly, we've got to get rid of that sin. He tells us in His Word, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, that I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Y'all, that ain't talking about crops growing in the field. That ain't talking about your grass in the front yard is dying. What it's talking about is the moral state of your community. The moral state of your country. You want to see a country once again that's blessed by God? Guess where it's? starts it starts in the house of god it starts in his people if his people will not humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways how in the world can they expect anybody in the world to do the same you can't expect them to do it when we don't do it ourselves judgment begins here that's what the word says